imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Carmen Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and over power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact that we are all up in your face at this time for the one, the only... Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Another stay-at-home edition of Protonic Reversal coming at you. This is a Tuesday, he said with quiet authority. Uh, we are talking today to Rob Montage of uh, the Louisville band Wax Eater. Looking forward to speaking to him. Uh, clever fella. Very smart. Very very informed. Very talkative. Should be a good one. They have a new record out called Extra Medium that came out, well, either at the very tail end of last year or the beginning of this year, I guess, depending on how you're counting it. But any which way you slice it, it's a quirker. It's a good one. It's good. So we're going to be talking to him. Uh, that should be killer. He's always entertaining. As I mentioned. What else? Uh, let's see. Well, um, just the normal the normal stuff. I guess it's becoming the normal stuff. I'm kind of falling into a bit of a routine, even with all this stay-at-home business. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, thanks for telling folks about it. Thanks for being cool. Thanks for spreading the episodes around. Uh, the free queue is catching back up shortly, slowly and shortly. Otherwise, patreon.com slash reversal to get the episode sooner. That's it. That's that's all it is. Dollar a month will we'll get you there. You can give more if you like. It's certainly not required. It's something where, you know, that helps me. Let me know that you're out there. And if this is something that provides some value for you, well, the advantage is you get the episodes a lot sooner. At this point, I think we're about 14 episodes ahead on that. I don't know. Uh, this is going to be the second-to-last episode for this week. It's going to be a slow week, only three episodes. Tony Visconti is going to be next. So the free feed should be truing up a little more with uh, the Patreon feed, which I know is a, a topic of concern for for some folks. Okay, so... That is that. Thanks for listening to it. Uh, what else? Oh, great feedback from the Reptoid episode. Uh, we are experimenting around with video. We are not doing it on this episode. Uh, frankly, I don't want to be a dick. I just don't feel like it. But there's going to be greater usage of some of the video formats going forward, even though ultimately this is a live radio show that is podcasted. That is not going to change, but 
if you're into Instagram Live or Instagram TV or uh, YouTube, things along those lines, uh, you just pay attention, I suppose. If not, don't worry. You don't have to care. You don't have to care about literally any of that. None of it. <laughs> okay, so that's it. Let's listen to you know, one of the songs off of Extra Medium. And then we'll be back with Rob Montage of the wonderful band Wax Eater. Cool? Cool. Here we go. I love your body, Larry, off of Wax Eater, <laughs> off of Extra Media. And with us now, we have none of the man himself, uh, uh, Rob Montage. Rob, hello. Hello. I, I accidentally misspelled you guys' name in the chat box. I wasn't looking at what I was doing. So apparently your name is now Waxwater. So I'm sure that you're the last to know on that. But. It's all right. Every time, uh, every time I you know, try to Google us to... You know, see if there's any record reviews or anything I need to see on the internet. It's just like, yeah, yeah. did you want like a wax heater to wax your legs, like a little pot to heat up leg wax in? I'm like, well, I do now, but that's not what I was asking. It wasn't the, the stated purpose of the query, but uh, yeah, you know. While but hey, talking. you know they they know me they know me better than I know myself. They know what to suggest for me to buy. So it's good. That's uh, that's the internet for you. It's it's uh, it's wily like that. Indeed. Uh, so, Extra Medium, first record in quite some time. For yeah, the, a little over... Max Eater Boys. Um, a little over six years, depending on what you want to count as the release date for this thing. They got released three times in the last five months. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also true. The <laughs> I think uh, Baltimore came out in October 2013. So, okay. it's been that long. It's, uh, civilizations have risen... Fell, rose again. I mean, there's, there's a lot that's happened since then. I mean, I'm just talking about the last two months, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, think of how many uh, mediocre bands have put out, like, four records in that in that amount of time. <laughs> and then broken up. You know, it's like that shirt I got from those uh, If I Had a Hi-Fi guys in Milwaukee, the, this t-shirt will last longer than your band. 
not ours. We just we might be glacial, but we're we're still here. So that's a, a strong record. Uh, are these songs kind of called over a longer period of time, or were they uh, effectively put together like for in a shorter period of time, like for this as being the record? I think it was a little a little both. Um, I mean, the reason it took us so long. I mean, uh, as some listeners may or may not know. Um, I used to live in Bloomington, Indiana, right. and Aaron and Elliot have always lived here in Louisville. Um, and so a large part of what kind of took so long was all three of us just kind of having life get in the way in that interim, you know. Sure. Um, you know, Elliot, you know, got married and had a kid. Aaron got married and then had a kid. Um, you know, I moved down here. Um, you know, I got married myself. We just had a bunch of stuff going on. And so from, like, 2013 to 2016, we weren't really producing a lot of new stuff. Uh, we were – I was moving. We were still playing a bunch uh, before uh, before Aaron's kid came around and after Elliot's was old enough to kind of just, you know, him to be comfortable leaving town for a little bit. We were still sure. touring on stuff, taking doing some, some road shows. And we probably had, I'd say, maybe four of the songs that ended up here on Extra Medium – we had sort of in the wake of Baltimore, but then, you know, we probably didn't write a song for two years. Mm. And then okay. once I was here, uh, I moved down in 2014 and, you know, I bought a house and all that stuff, you know, just stuff happens. And once we actually started saying like, okay, wait a minute, has it been four years since we put a guy's record out? Like we should get in the studio and we've never been a group that um, has any money ever. Uh, like we've, we've never operated at a profit in any particular way. So, because this has always been like, none of us have ever thought like, we're going to make it, we're going to do it. You know, like we've known that this is, this is hobbyist shit for us. And, you know, we're lucky enough to have supportive families and, and friends and the ability to go out and do that kind of stuff when it works. But, you know, like I'm a school teacher and I can't just drop dime and, and tour for a month and a half and, uh, neither can, the dudes with kids and stuff so we were like yeah it's been a long time and it doesn't really matter but like we had to actually have money to pay somebody to record the album yeah i find uh, it it usually works better yeah. when they when you are able to pay them yes yeah when you get a better product uh, and i mean we did as much of it as we could you know elliot's a sound engineer uh you know that's what he does for a living he right. engineers you know, he's a radio producer and he, right. he understands who, how to, uh, who's yeah. also I suppose it should be, and, and if this was a, you know, if there was a corporate ombudsman, they'd probably be mentioning that there would be potential conflict of interest alert because, uh, of course, the uh, Great None of the Above podcast also hosted on Radio Nope some years back. Uh, well, I don't think he was, he wasn't working, when we were doing that show, he wasn't working for the people he works for now. Right. So, I think, you know, it's okay. We didn't, there was no conflict. But, <laughs> I, was saying uh, con he, I, was, I was joking about the conflict of interest. I was yeah. talking about the fact that, that whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. This is the, it was already a narrow casted joke, and it's only going to get better the more I explain it. So, oh yeah, no, I think we should spend the next fifteen to twenty. Oh, um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we tried to do as much of it. Like Elliot was in there, um, you know, he helped out with all the mixing, and he. I mean, we listed him as a producer on the record because he is right. the one largely responsible for how it sounds because he understands how to put what i'm sound. trying to do with yeah. them yeah, yeah, yeah and he knows he knows the words for them i'm like i don't know it's kind of uh and he's like yeah i got you we got to adjust these 80 knobs and i got a 10 ear for that stuff so right uh we tried to you know do it you know we did a lot of after hours in that studio rather than going in at like prime times over the course of a while like we did 
probably five or six sessions on this record over the course of four or five months, just popping in, getting like the primary tracks. And then I blew my voice out when we were supposed to do vocals. And we had to, I got like one song done and then had to do all the vocals in a separate session. Like once I healed and just, you know, dumb shit like that. Yeah. So when you're, when you're talking about just the mechanics of making a record, I mean, you guys have, you know, this, this lineup has been together for quite some time. You have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're, you're not, as you mentioned, not in it for, for fame, fortune and, and, and things along those lines. Uh, but you have that affinity with each other and you know how each other operates. So do you feel like that gives yeah. you kind of, uh, tools in the tool belt to work at a slower pace and feel more comfortable maybe? Yeah, I think that like we all understand that there we do not have any pressure. I mean, uh, we were on latest flame, and then Dan kind of shut all the doors right. on latest flame. Poor little laugh for your so, homies. It, yeah, <laughs> indeed, I mean that's like every every band he put out for the last five years. That label was just like it, it was just it was all hits, it was hit after hit after hit. Yeah. And so once that label folded, and we didn't have a record ready, and we didn't have a label home anyway, we just kind of accepted like, look, we're we're under no pressure here to um to like we don't have to do this right now we don't have to rush it uh let's take care of our personal lives let's get together when we want to let's play shows when we want to and just kind of not being beholden to anybody was really great and right. I think the record was in the can mixed mastered finished sometime late in 2018 but you know the process was trying then we were like okay it's done we like it. We shared it with some people. They were like, this is good. Yeah, I want to say I actually heard it after a show at uh, Elliot's <laughs> house, if I, if I remember correctly. And, and like, Probably. it was great, but it was one of those things that was like, hey, was that real or was that just <laughs> – was that the fog yeah. of partying? <laughs> oh, yeah, or was that the – I heard that at Elliot's house at 3 a.m., and that could – be anything yeah he, uh, he could he could have uh battle wrapped it at me for all i know i don't really remember what all happened yeah and then it took almost a year to a convince jerry to do it and then um you know that it, there's jerry from Frey Tree Records. i was gonna say Sorry, we're talking about are, we're talking about jerry yeah. dear uh he's a uh, yeah. of night symphony and uh it, it's it's Freytree, right Frey Tree, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also in the band a of nice which is a nice, like, almost like pop punky thing. Uh, yeah, and once he kind of heard it and agreed to do it, you know, we also had to then look at his timeline. So, you know, he had another release or two ahead on the schedule, and then we had to wait for physical vinyl. Oh, you know, you know how it is putting a record out. You know, <laughs> you decide to do it, and then it comes out eight months later because of the process. So, yeah, it, it it's, takes a it's while to, to, for the for the widgets to combobulate and yeah. for all, all the normal things to. to yeah. So we take a little epochs of time between those things. Yeah. Well, that and he got it. uh, We got our um, lacquers done like two weeks before that plant caught on fire. So it was almost delayed even longer. (laughs) Wow. And then like those. Yeah. Well, and the the vinyl pre-orders and things would have shipped, um, you know, a month and a half ago if we didn't all go into lockdown. So it's like a couple of things stacked against us. But um, we've started seeing people like posting that they're getting their records and then people have nice mail days when they're stuck in their house all day yeah i mean radio nope world headquarters got its official copy uh earlier this week and that was a that was a pleasant mail day for sure which is and what what color was your poster um oh christ it's upstairs uh, I, <laughs> I mean yeah. it's it's in the normal part of the compound i'll have to i'll fetch one of the interns to go get it and I'll, and I'll yeah. tell you. we were we were waiting patiently to, for a purple sighting uh, for the first couple of weeks, I did. It's not purple. I'll purple. tell you that much. Yeah. 
that, that, well, that, that I'm aware of, unless I'm colorblind. So. Well, and Jerry, Jerry printed those himself and slipped them in, so we don't know the distribution of colors. It may be even, it may be not, but, you know, little surprises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we took comfort in knowing that in reality, it only took us four and a half years to write this record. It just took six years to come out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we uh, split hairs, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to circle back on your question about, like, just working together. Yeah. Please, the, please. yeah so the idea that, like, there wasn't pressure. And, like, obviously, J- Jerry would prefer that we play some shows on it, promote it, get it out there. Yeah. Which we we had shows planned that got canceled like everybody else's, but um, the nice thing is that like we we are never we've never really been well since you know Aaron and Elliot joined ten years ago, you know there was distance involved so we never were like frequent a frequent practicing band we didn't get together twice a week you know when I was living in uh, Bloomington we get together once every two months maybe and practice for like five hours and I would drive right back, um, right. but there's a you know, kind of synchronicity there where we, you know, if we're just getting ready for a show, we need one practice just to make sure we don't suck and then we're fine. But writing happens really fast. When we when we sit down and say, okay, we are writing some songs, like the songs come together very, very fast. Mm, okay. It's just, there's a long span of time between it, uh, you know, where we might not write a song for six months and then we might write five in three weeks, you know, so... And do you, uh, as far as coming back to, to that stuff, I mean, do you find it, it's, is it like picking right back up where you left off or is it something where, uh, you, you know, maybe, maybe something that you thought of like, oh, that was great. And you're like, mm, but was it, maybe it wasn't the, like new stuff we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. When you're writing new things. Yeah. It, it kind of depends on how long it takes us to get back to it. Sometimes we'll have like, you know, right now we've got five in the works, like since we finished, uh, media, we've started to work on five maybe six ish and some like there's this one uh base thing that elliot's been has had on his back burner for like two years mm-hmm. and we just haven't gotten to it yet because like we'll get excited about another new thing or this uh but right. we usually don't take that long to come back to like oh like there's one that's been all the parts have been written they just haven't been you know transitions and timings and things haven't been perfected we've been bouncing around on this one for like a year and it ends up that the longer we kind of sit on it and don't do anything we'll come back and like aaron will have a a new cool idea or you know l will or or i'll you know have thought of something dumb while i'm noodling around and you know i think it improves them but those songs that end up having 10 parts rather than the ones that have like (laughs) well we all know that the more parts the song has the better the song is so that's that's Um, yeah absolutely i mean uh but I mean, but we we try to branch. We try to not have like every part. You know, like you just played Larry, which is mm-hmm. an A B A B C. That's that's the song. You know, yeah, yeah. three parts. It's you know very simple. But then we'll have longer, weirder ones, and we try to have a balance. Like Aaron's always honest about like guys, we've already done one recently that had this kind of part and this kind of part. So now we we need to do something that doesn't have that. Let's try yeah. like a slower one or do this. So. He's he's really good about making sure I don't keep writing the same thing over and over again. So like mixing up the the types of songs, if you will, uh, and yeah. versus the uh, you know the ones that you know the, there's certain one songs that serve certain purposes, and if you don't want to stack too yeah. many together, or do you have a you know a, a, at best a well done but like unevenly stacked record, all audited in progress by uh, Hot Snakes, where it's like, well, this is all great, but. All four of these songs are sort of like the same sort of song that are all in a row, and that's kind of weird. 
I mean, that's Optinex, baby. I mean, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but it, with the, I've always felt with them that the there's just exception songs, songs that kind of don't sound like Hot Snakes. Like, uh, um, what's the one with all the keyboards on Audit in Progress? That's uh, wah, 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 wah. Oh, you know what I'm uh, talking about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. But I, like I would be very one. bad at name that tune right now because I can't, I cannot think of any of these song yeah. names for the life of me. But <laughs> I do know the one you're talking yeah. about. Yes, the So Lucky in Love one, where yeah. it's like, oh, oh, it's Lovebirds, is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, it's just like, okay, so this one sounds a little different. Like, I think all their songs sound exactly the same, but it's a, I like that song a lot, so I well, listen to it a bunch. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, f- for me specifically about that criticism, criticism is that they're all kind of the same tempo and the same style of song for the first, like, four or five, uh, which is yeah, for that's sure. the first one with Mario, and, you know, Mario's a great freaking drummer, and it's, it's well showcased, but it almost would be better to have, personally, from my standpoint, from sequencing to, like, maybe have a song in there that kind of break it up that would actually give a little more yeah. oomph to the other ones from my personal taste you know whatever it's fine record but. i definitely understand that and i we tried to do that we always try to do that with sequence in our records where it's like okay maybe let's not put the two 45 second punk bangers back to back right exactly. like, we'll do that at the live show like <laughs> let's just play these three songs that equal a minute and 45 seconds total like as though they're one song in a row like live but then on the regular we do try to space them out you know put one on side a one on side b at least right well totally and that's something where that's you know that's live versus recorded right so when you're thinking about when you're thinking about making the record what kind of stuff are you taking into account like for song selection sequencing yeah like what goes on uh where where do things go on the record and the reason i mentioned is because uh it, when there's that long of a break between albums, it's certainly yeah. easy for things to get bloated. Uh, but I feel like it's a very taut twelve song record. Like it's it's it, it right. does what it's supposed to do, gets in, gets gets out, uh, yep. leaves you wanting more. That's lovely. But well, we've all, I've always kind of taken that Steve Albini thirty minutes is all you need thing to heart, where it's like, well, it's thirty thirty five minutes. Let's. I'm not trying to bore because I definitely uh, there are records I love that are fifty minutes, and I'm like. Come on. Uh, and so we try to, we think of like openers and closers like anyone else. Like the same thing with our live sets was like, we never play something like Yeah Well off Sleeper first. You know? And that song, if we play it, we play it last kind of yeah. thing. So we kind of went into the record knowing like, all right, these things are, this is, this is the opening. We wrote this as the opening track. We wrote this as the closing track. Like the last song is the song I wrote to perform at, uh, the Pirate Barbecue where I proposed, you know? Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. So that one was written with the idea of, well, A, it was written to be like that proposal thing. It's about me and my wife's relationship. But then also we knew, like, if we're putting this on the record, it's not going to be, like, the third song or whatever, because it's longer, <laughs> and it's got that weird long end part. Like, right. You, 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 it, you was, it was written to close shit out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the listeners will already kind of be along a journey at that point, and, and, that, and that's yeah. where sequencing comes into, comes into play, yeah. sure. And something like we get it, like it's the kind of thing that we like doing as an opener, uh, whether on like a record or a set, where it's one of my favorite like song constructions that we do, where it's like noisy and aggressive, and then for the entire second half turns into some bass-ridden like lockstep groove. You know what I mean? Like that's one of my favorite thing types of songs to write. We've done several like that where you know it starts off, you know, you have kind of a verse, chorus, verse, chorus thing, and then it just like you let Elliot. You, you stop telling Elliot what to do, and then he just kind of goes nuts, and then he he's in charge, and I'm just kind of 
display and flavor on top of it. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> Which is it was a ton of fun because he'll just show up with like some like I never tell. That's one of the best things about having him in the group is that like I never have to tell him anything. Like I'll just come to, with something and he will always come up with the correct part without any guidance from me whatsoever. And that was not always the case before they joined for that uh, few years that I had a different lineup. It's like, I had to give a lot more direction. And Elliot's just like, no, I get you. I get it. And it might take him like six or seven practices. And one day he'll start playing it different and it's way better. We're like, oh, you figured it out. He's like, yeah, figured it out. And that's a nice thing. And that's always a nice thing, of course, to have everybody on the same page, uh, especially for a band that, you know, you don't get, you don't get to be the band. Uh, as much as, as maybe other bands get to. And, you know, of course, yeah. no one's getting to be a band right now because of lockdown. But <laughs> but in the larger sense of uh, you know, there being adult commitments, whatnot, and yeah. uh, th- things along those lines, it's, it's good to have that lock-in. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the song with uh, one of my very favorite <laughs> singers, Lindsay Charles with the Cell Phones. Uh, oh yeah, she's uh, on the I believe it's a girl fight cover, and there's a, a an original song as well, right? If I remember correctly, uh, she is not on the girl fight cover now. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right, so oh well, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm done thinking of something. Never mind. Never mind. She might have been. Uh, she was there for a couple of days. She came down to Louisville to um, former guest of the show that. and friend, of course, too. Just actual yes, friend. that's Paul's friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, uh, and. She came down uh, for basically like 36 hours uh, on the mega bus to record vocals with us and just to, you know, kind of party. Uh, I think there was a, uh, some of our, our friends do a Pogues cover band every, every Pat, St. Patrick's Day. And so she came down and came to that and recorded. Um, we had written nothing lyrics wise until she got here. And we wrote on the studio in about 25 minutes. Uh, just like the lyrics. I mean, we had the song structure written already, but. I was like, no, just come and be on the record, and we will figure it out on the day. She's like, you want to write it? You don't have it written? I was like, nope, you are going to help me write it. And then we just came up with the idea for it to be like um, the concept of visual pleasure being not like things that you look at like online mm-hmm. that give you pleasure that is not sexual. You know, like puppy videos, or, you know, sure. cat memes yeah. and things like that. Uh, and just like a celebration of the fact that even though the internet is a dark, evil, terrible place, that, like, there are things, like, you get to see your friends that live across country, you know, have kids or enjoy their lives or go on vacation. It's like, not, it's just nice. Stuff that's just nice. Uh, but then, at the end of the day, once you're out of nice stuff to look at, then, yeah, then that, you look at sexual. Then you that, look at that's, sexual stuff. Right, right, right. Or, or, like, you know, yeah. the, the super cut of, like, Canadian geese attacking people or something, because that's mm-hmm. hilarious, but... <laughs> You look at the nice stuff, and then it always ends up sexual anyway. Uh, you know, that's the sad reality we live. But yeah, those were uh, those, most of those lyrics were all just kind of Lindsay being like, "All right, here's a vocal melody. Let's just bullshit it." Right. Uh, which was just a fun that we wanted to do. We wanted to have her on the record. We wanted to, you know, just write a quick. We wrote that one like all the music in like one practice. It was something that I had started to write for a band I played in for like a little while right before I left Bloomington, and then. That song never happened with them, and I was like, "Well, I wrote the damn thing, so fuck them." And uh, <laughs> I, well, it's like it's a, we never wrote or rec- we never yeah, finished yeah, or recorded that song. It's so. fair game, it's fine. Yeah, my my part, and we just kind of banged that one out to be just a stupid, silly thing, you know, because people come to expect a little bit of a little bit of tongue in cheek bullshit on our records anyway. So, 
Yes. Yeah. So, 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 so on that, where, where would you say the, the humor line is with Wax Eater? Because it's very clear that you guys are, you know, for the lack of a better term, like, you know, a, a good timey noise rock band, not a bummer noise rock band, but like you're. <laughs> It also seems, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, well, Nick caving it up. <laughs> it, it seems. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'd say so. Uh, <laughs> it really, yeah. Enough uh, said about that. I will move on. I, I like, I like the records. I like the record, but it is very Nick Cavey. You know, it's like yeah, I get that. sometimes bands, sometimes bands wear that influence right on their sleeve. I'm not saying we're not guilty of that too, but it's like, yeah, fooling anybody here. Mm-hmm. Eh, whatever. Nick Cave makes piano plinky sad records now. Yeah, I mean, so I, guess, other, I guess Nick Cave uh, isn't using it, so why not, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just pick it up, pick the ball up, and run with it. He fumbled. <laughs> good, good on him. Uh, but Honestly, I listened to that Van Bar record and was like, wait, I should listen to some Nick Cave. Let me put on that new one everyone said was good. And then it was like four notes every eight minutes on a piano and him being like, I, I, can't, like, I, I can't do this. Dude, I can't I, do it. So, here, so here's what's funny and why this is timely is because Chris Williams's show uh, is airing after this. It is mm-hmm. a show called The Operative. And it's, the, it's, yes. it, it, it's airing after this episode. And I'm the guest and I talk about Nick Cave. But one of the, <laughs> but one of the things I talk about with Nick Cave is how much I just don't like any of the recent records. But I still kind of like whatever. I'm like fan for life, and I like that he does like the big swings and isn't afraid to try new stuff and like kind of go crazy with it. And I almost like when the stuff that doesn't connect as much as the stuff that does. Because for every stuff that thing that doesn't, for me, there's like a dig Lazarus dig or something where it's like, oh man, that's awesome, or like Ranger Man or something along where yeah. it's like. No, you. He knows that he could just do this. He could just crank out like you know, Johnny Ramone style, like a murder <laughs> ballads, you know, part seventeen, and just like you know, trade on that for life. But he's doing different stuff, and you know what? It's not always for me, and I'm still on board with it, and that's fine. Well, uh, I have a lot of respect for somebody or a group or a person like that that's put out so much music that there's some of it I don't like. I think that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think about like Ween, who I like a lot, but man, they got a lot of unlistenable crap. But they got a lot of really good stuff too. And there's, I mean, there's so many bands like that. I think Queens of the Stone Age have put out a bunch of records, and some of them are great. Uh, you know, and if you're doing it for 35 years or 40 years or whatever, it's like, yeah, if you're old and you're like, hey guys, plinky piano ballads, hour and a half long, let's do it. What are they gonna do? <laughs> Throw away our birthday party records because they didn't like our little plinky piano pie stuff? Yeah. But people do like it, so it's like, whatever, let them like it. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's totally okay. And that's also coming from the perspective of it's okay to do things and not have an audience in mind at all or, you know, not have the same audience yeah. or, or whatever. And that, that's all. That's fine. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that uh, yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But I do think it's fascinating that uh, you brought that up because that's, you know, a perfect example. First, Well, first of all, just programming um, singularity. For what's coming yeah, afterwards, of um, but you know, it's, like I said, the cave ain't using it right now. I guess, like you know, why am I just being a cranky dick about it? Like, sure, let them, let them, yeah. let them do their birthday party jams. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> and that's you know, I kind of figured that out a long time ago, and I'm really grateful I did. Was it's like arguing about music is the most pointless thing in the universe, right. uh, and that like not everything is for me. You know what I mean? Like, I used to kind of like make make fun of my students when they would be all excited about their five finger death punch shirt, and then I was like. I'm like, well, this is, well, first of all, like, yeah, <laughs> that would have been me in high school if that band was around then with all my Deftones and Tool t-shirts, but eventually that led me to people who also cared about music and then were like, 
hey, I know you like some of this heavy stuff. Have you listened to, like, and then they would give me, like, Fugazi albums. I'm like, I did not know this existed. And, you know, it's just a gateway to it. And it's like, if I don't like the piano Nick Cave, like, no one's like, forcing you to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, other people, other people liking. Well, yeah, and I listened to it for twenty minutes and was like, uh, "Not for me." Uh, and like, you know, them liking it doesn't take anything away from me. You know what I mean? I have to I have to impart that on teenagers who will still like that I see every day or used to, who will like shit on their peers for liking things. And I'm like, them, their happiness or their enjoyment takes nothing away from you. Right. And it's a lesson they don't learn, but. Uh, you got to try, though. I mean, it's it's something where mm-hmm. you want to hope. <laughs> you want to hope that there'll be some grope, growth, not groping, Jesus, uh, growth, growth yeah. and depth. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, kids are going to be kids, and that just also involves being fucking dumb about stuff sometimes, too. And then but, you know, one out, of every hundred, one out of every hundred kid just hasn't ever had anybody say something like that to them. And exactly. so, like, occasionally, yes. you will get that kid that's like, huh. I actually never thought about yeah, how. I, never, I literally never thought of this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> hurt me at all. Huh. Like, oh, yeah. no Good one's point. putting a gun to your head. and Because like, it's it's kind of one of my more famous Bloomington dickhead moments. Was like, I had a party when I was still in grad school before I started teaching. So this would have been like, oh, five or six. Whenever that first Wolf Parade record came out. Do you remember this band? Oh, yeah. Wolf yes, Parade? I do remember, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all everyone was talking about. Everyone wanted to talk about this stupid Wolf Parade record, and I'd heard it. And all I didn't the, all care those about bands it. were uh, being called Wolf at the time too. There was a lot like, of Wolf bands. Every, every band was like a Wolf this or like, and yeah. it was like, what? Why is it? Why are wolves? Some in animal there? in there. Yeah. Mike Patton's favorite band, Wolf Mother. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen that clip, I assume, where he's like, "What course, the fuck yes. is this?" Uh, and I was like, there was this younger kid at this party we were all at, and he was just being nice, and I was talking to him, and. He was being friendly, and I was being friendly. He's like, hey, you ever uh, – have you heard this Wolf Parade album? And I just looked him right in the face and said, I don't want to talk about Wolf Parade, and turned on my heels and walked away from him. And I, in retrospect, I was like, that was a shitty thing to do. That kid was just excited about a record. <laughs> and you're, you're, like, you're being a total bummer about it. <laughs> like, what if, what if I went up to somebody at that party and was like, guys, I just heard this thing. It's called McCluskey Do Dallas. And they were like, fuck you. It's stupid and left. I would have felt pretty bad. Yeah. And that's kind of when I had that, like, oh, you know, I should maybe not give a shit what people like. Maybe I should just find people who like what I like and, like, enjoy that together. Like, isn't that way more fun? And it was, as it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's, you know, that's part of that's finding your tribe. Part of that's, yeah. like, you know, getting older, having some, uh, you know, degree of awareness yeah. <laughs> of others. It's, it's <laughs> shocking how different I was at 23 than I am at 36. Yeah, yeah. Can you be- can you believe it? Hard to believe, I know. <laughs> uh, it really is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the humor line. Yeah, which is the actual like, question was about where, where where the humor line was that we went off into a fascinating like 10 or 15 minute digression there. But yeah, that that was. The question. Uh, I figured. Good on you for remembering it because I was about to bring it back on. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've listened to enough episodes of this to know that, like, the digression is what you're here for. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, yeah. Um, that's part of the fun. I was listening, <laughs> listening to the latest Falco one earlier today, and you asked him how his shopping trip was, and 25 minutes later, <laughs> I was like, that dude, when, when that dude gets going. Yeah, I know. Uh, he gave me a brief history of time, and, and, and I was yeah. actually there for it. Uh, so I would say somewhere below that future the left McCluskey level of humor where there are times where I feel like we're singing about serious things, but like, I'm just not, I don't have it in me to be that like sincere 
in a song because like the idea of like dudes pushing 40 like playing aggressive rock music is just kind of silly and like aaron and elliot and i like you've spent time with us anybody that spent any time with us we're not real serious dudes like we care about important things we care about serious stuff like i'm a public educator they're they have families like we care about real things we care about political stuff but it's like we're not well read enough or smart enough to go out there and try to like jello be opera everything and make it you know because he has a sense of humor too but he's also probably smarter than me but it's like we don't want to be super self-serious about it either like not to harp on that van bar record again but it's like i know he's telling <laughs> stories in there right but it's so earnest and it's yeah. like i like the record and i can listen to that but i would feel so disingenuous going up there and being that serious and you know it's kind of like a common thread with teaching where it's like kids you could have the dumbest kid in the united states of america in your classroom they're dumb, but they're not stupid, and they're intuitive, and they can smell a phony from a mile away. And so if I'm disingenuous in my class or if I'm disingenuous on stage, people are going to spit out. If I'm, like, putting on an affectation of, like, all right, we're here, we're talking about this, um, there are some bands I could call out by name that do that, that put that affectation on, and it feels so stupid to me. That's like, no, we're kind of goofy dudes, and, like, while we – can be serious when we need to. And there are a couple songs on Medium that are about real things. Like, Giverne is about the struggles of teaching and seeing, like, what kids go through and how rough, like, my job is and how bleak the future can look when you're dealing with, like, 20 kids that are just like, uh, make you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. But it's like, there's there's some... I'm, I'm not trying to, like, preach at you. Like, it's, it's my reality, and it's... There's some seriousness in that aspect, but, like, we're, we're not going to cram it down your throat. We're never going to put out, like, a fucking, you know, propaganda album. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> well, we're not, well, sure, I don't think it's yeah. our place. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a fine line that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want certain bands to cross uh, yeah. into that world. Because it, it would seem disingenuous. And it's kind of like that, that super serious no effects record about George W. Bush. I was like, I don't want to hear it from these fucking guys. <laughs> like, oh, you mean the guy that pisses in tequila dressed like a clown has something to say about the state of the world? I don't care. Yeah, if yeah. I want to listen uh, to no effects, I'll take that into you better effects. be, you better be making, yeah, you better be making me laugh, idiot. Like, isn't that the whole purpose of your band? Right. Like at least Blink-182 <laughs> isn't making political records. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, it, well, and because everybody, yeah, all of those bands probably have their dark, night of the soul moment where they're they're thinking oh i got i gotta make the i gotta make that record i gotta make the important the uh, you know great american record that solves all the problems of, dude you're not gonna make what's going on all right you're just not like you make pop and, punk. yeah <laughs> and you know even when bands really do set to make that like american record that sets the world on fire like green day it's like yeah but it sucks like the record yeah. sucks also it's, it's not a, good yeah. too there's, there's also that yeah it's like, oh, the unwashed masses loved it. What does that tell you, dude? Like, I don't, I don't know what's there. I mean, well, I it, but it also it's not for me. It's not for me. I was just gonna say, it all comes back to, is it for you? Is it for not? And and and, and those cases, it's like, oh, that's a not for me situation, and I'm totally okay with that for the most part, unless it's unless it's truly odious, and in which case, I'm not. But. Uh, oh yeah, death in June or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I'm not going to hear baby like, yeah, screwdriver's just not for me. It's like, no, those people are garbage. No, no, no that just sucks. <laughs> that that flat like, out sucks, yeah. Or something like Brand New, which is, I've always thought sucked. And it's like, oh, and that guy's also a monster. So it's like, fuck yeah. them. But, you know, like Foo Fighters, it's like, I just don't like it. But that's cool. He seems nice. They seem yeah. nice. Yeah, they got some tunes. And it's, you know, some of it sounds like freaking Boston or something. And I mean that as an insult in this case. And, yeah. you know, it, 
it's, it's a large majority of that catalog isn't for me, but they got some tunes and I, I don't hate that it exists. It's just kind of surprised that, you know, it's like a McDonald's hamburger or something where it's just seemingly yeah. ubiquitous. People seem to like it, but it's not for me. Yeah. I'll eat it once in a while. I have no problem. Exactly. If that's all there is to eat, fine, fine. I'll have, I'll have some Foo Fighters. Thank you. Yeah. I think those first two records are fine. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, there's just so many overplayed songs. It's like, I don't need to hear Everlong again. Like, you know, it's, it's 2020. Like, we're listening to this song still. Yeah. Too much of this song. So talk to me about some of your songs. So we, of course, I, I was a big fan of, I'm a big fan of the, of the clever song title to a point, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I don't mean, I, when I say to a point, I mean, I don't want to be the, the overly clever, clever, where it's like trying so hard, it just becomes stupid again. But I, I, I loved We Aren't 138. I thought that was pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was very happy at seeing that. That, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a that was a stroke of genius on on my part. I thought where I was like, I'm okay, shocked no one had had done that before, and I was like, wow, kudos, that's awesome. It's like it's you know the song is about how we're getting older. You know, we wrote it right after Aaron had or before Aaron had his kid, but after Elliot had had his, and like we had been you know kind of making jokes on stage a lot about how like you know we might we kind of look the part you know if we're playing like a punk show or whatever. It's like you know we're tattooed dudes. We're you know, screaming in your face, and we're high energy, but it's like, we do not leave punk rock lives. Like, at the time, Aaron was working at a bakery, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, you're teaching you know, kids. Elliot, Elliot was, like, literally a stay-at-home dad at the time, uh, and, like, I, you know, I'm a school teacher, and, and not, like, one of the cool subjects. It's like, all right, you know, we are not, we're like, we're not really leaving punk rock lives. We're getting a little older, um, the kids won't give us the address to the basement show anymore. Do you know what I mean? Because they're like, no, nah, no. Nah. I don't think so. I don't think it's for you. Well, <laughs> and I wrote it right at the tail end of living in Bloomington where it's like, if you're over 30 in Bloomington, man, you are either like a professor or a cop uh, to these kids. And like, <laughs> you can only get asked what your major was nine years after you graduated so many times. You know, and so it's like, uh, by a 22 year old at the bar. And so it's like, you know, that song is just about, you know, just getting a little older and still being, like, you know, an aggressive musician, you know? And that's another one where it's, like, that's all, it's all just jokes, you know? That's that's one of the, on the humor end of the spectrum songs, but we had been doing that stupid um, fake Misfits cover where we just yell, which I know it's not We Are we are 138, the, uh, the I got nothing to say, dun, dun, and then that's just it, you know? <laughs> just joking. Uh, and... For some reason, that stuck in my head that it's like, yeah, well, we, we aren't 138 because we are, you know, not. <laughs> we're, just not we're not really punk rock people. We just kind of look like it and play loud music. Totally. And and that's <laughs> joking on it, but also with the self-awareness of, of the situation. Uh, and, but leaning into it as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, like I said, we're, we're just trying to be sincere. Not not like sentimental or maudlin, but like we're not trying to be disingenuous. Like we are trying to present an accurate picture of what we are actually like as people while we're playing, you know. I played uh, I Love Your Body, Larry, uh, right before he came on. Uh, what's that one all about? Uh, <laughs> uh, some real events after I first moved to Louisville. It was a person I was seeing, and it uh, did not end up working out for various reasons, so that is a... Uh, before I was in the relationship with the uh, woman that uh, I am now married to, which is, you know, cool stuff. Stuff fair, like that. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. <laughs> the title, of course, being a Fletch reference. Yes, yes. Uh, the, uh, so, the one after that. The chickens the one after that? were fucking teeth. <laughs> yep. What, what, what? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> that was a... Man, I forget what that's called, where you accidentally switch the letters, uh, the first letters and something. There's a, there's a term for that kind of, like, mental slip. Like, uh, you know, when you, like, saying the tickets were cheap instead of the, the tickets were cheap. Oh, gotcha. uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a, it's a certain <clears throat> style and type of is temporary it, dyslexia, but I can't remember what it's called. Is it a spoonerism? That, uh, that that's ringing that a bell. Be but it. That might be it. <clears throat> we'll get our top uh, researchers well, on that and get back to you. Uh, well, either way, um, basically, uh, oh, yeah, it is. That is a spoonerism, a verbal error in which a speaker accidentally transposes the initial sounds or letters of two or more words. So basically, uh, what happened, that song is a, yeah, <laughs> rainbow. It's, that song is about uh, my good friend and old roommate Kyle's trip with his then-girlfriend to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all of the lyrics are based on things that actually happened. Uh, and I decided to write it about that after, because I thought the tickets were fucking cheap. It was a funny title after um, uh, I was trying to describe the trip to a friend of mine. I was like, oh, yeah, Kyle went to Colorado girlfriend and uh you know they and i was just i don't know if i'd have like a couple beers or i just accidentally said it i said you know they they hadn't been on vacation in like 10 years and and i accidentally said that the tickets were cheap instead of the tickets were cheap <laughs> so it was, it was an actual honest to god error and then i thought just that that inversion was super funny and honestly what it reminded me that title of was uh was of a jabber josh song title and if you remember jabber josh they were a band from lawrence kansas uh, the two brothers, a bass player and a drummer, who just were the sweetest people on planet Earth. Super like po- Midwestern, polite and funny and dry, and uh, all their song titles are like eight or more words, silly long phrases and sentences and things. Uh, and I thought that sounded a lot like a Jabberjaw song title. I was like, I want to use that. And then I was, we were dicking around and it ended up being like a short, quick, stupid banger. So I was like, all right, well, let's talk about Kyle's dumb trip to, you know. <laughs> Colorado, where he got legal weed, and all they did was sit in the hot tub and play video games. And um, then uh, I had to pick them up from the airport uh, after that trip because then neither of them had a car. And I picked them up from the airport, and um, uh, there was traffic, and I was a little bit late. And Kyle's girlfriend got impatient and made them eat at a restaurant in the Indianapolis airport called the Indy 500 Grill, which is like, <laughs> like. Ne- <laughs> It's like in it's like indie racing uh, oh, Applebee's. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I and they both <laughs> they both got like very sick from it. Like they had just come back. Shocking. And they, they both they both got like horrible food poisoning for this uh, airport meal that they at the airport they arrived at. And uh, <sighs> that's what that's why the chorus is just don't eat at the airport. Uh, there's and right by the I've been to the Indianapolis airport many a time. Right by the Indy 500 Grill, there's, like, a Qdoba. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> there's, there's, like, regular fast food, not, like, overpriced, you know, racing Applebee's. And I was like, why did you eat there? And, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's a true, that one's a true story. Not didn't happen to me, but. Doesn't make it any less true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the one after that is, uh, of course, an FCC favorite. Fucking burn fucking every fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that one's about sports. Uh, it is uh, kind of based on our friend here in Louisville, who is um, a drummer, one of the gnarliest drummers in town. 
Uh, his name is Eric McManus. He was the drummer ah, for yeah. Lords. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, several, I think he's still playing in a group called Savage Master. That's a, a weird metal band. They wear leather masks and stuff. Uh, he is a total spaz uh, and also uh, hilarious. And he is always on like a thousand milligrams of caffeine all day, every day. The dude's nuts. And he used to work at this like Louisville um, UK sports store, where it's basically like um, a, an apparel and memorabilia store that just sold stuff for like UK and U of L, and like if you if you're not from the area, you're not familiar with um, the Kentucky sports thing, we don't have pro sports, so people care real bad about college sports. Yeah, um, they get really invested uh, in it. They are very invested, especially in Kentucky, especially in the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville. And so he worked at this store that sold like um, stuff for uh, for both for both teams, and he. Like, his manager was never there and didn't give a shit about anything, so Eric would type up these signs and put them everywhere, uh, like, on the racks, instead of, like, oh, 10% off. It would be, like, um, hey. Like, he would put a sign, like, the first verse is kind of based on one of these signs that, I've got pictures of somewhere, uh, that he put up on, like, a rack of, like, UK baby onesies and shit. And it's, like, it's, like, hey, mouth-breathing UK morons, wouldn't you be thrilled to see your doltish child uh, dolled up in the in the wildcat blue that you hope they bleed in their blood just like absurd <laughs> shit just like <laughs> but all very vicious like like mean spirited shit uh about like anyone who would possibly deign to come into the store and spend money in it and then right around that same time uk they won a national championship or got far in the term or something. And as, as college towns will do, they were burning the whole town down because they were celebrating. <laughs> and yeah. uh, th- there was a lot oh, that particular. Don't believe me, man. I, I used to live in, e- in yeah. uh, East Oakland when uh, Raiders were yeah. in the Super Bowl. And it was like, mm. win or lose, the McDonald's will get a garbage can thrown through the window. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. You got to do the right thing on that McDonald's when they win. <laughs> yeah, uh, the poor, the poor beleaguered McDonald's, no matter what. <laughs> but that happened a couple times in Bloomington too. Uh, when I was first there, when IU basketball was still pretty good, and they had to grease all the light poles downtown because like <laughs> people would try to climb them. Didn't stop them. Naked guys still shimmied up those poles, greased or not greased. It was incredible, actually. American ingenuity. Uh, but there was a, uh, you know, the, the big problem that year in Lexington when UK won was. Uh, like frat boys and the you know, bros and things were putting these old shitty couches in their front lawns and just setting them all on fire. And gotcha. while this was happening, there is a local misanthrope here in Louisville who used to be playing bands and things. He's kind of retired from music, but he was in a band called Pride Swallower, probably the one he's best known for, and several others. Uh, his name is Adam Rains, and he just posted on Facebook the morning after they won, just all caps, fucking burn, fucking every fucking couch. And I remember that has stuck in my head for like <laughs> it's six stuck years. With you. <laughs> it's so good, yeah. And just like I love, I love it. I lived in a college town for thirteen years, and like Louisville isn't like a college town per se, but we have a college sports program that people care about too much. And so just the the idea of like, yes, we did it. Our beloved team won. Now let's destroy our stuff to celebrate. Like, shouldn't you go to the other town and burn it down? <laughs> like, why are we burning our own shit? To celebrate, like, yes, 
finally, I won the championship. Now give me a fucking sledgehammer. I'm gonna go fuck my own car up. <laughs> right. It, <laughs> it does. It does seem to sense. cross the line from a uh, celebratory to absolutely, uh, you know, yeah. dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's just another thing where I was like, you know what? This it's too funny. It's too funny not to use. I did get permission from. Uh, uh, both of them like hey can i use some of the words you wrote on those signs and also use this as a song title and they were like we don't care like, perfect <laughs> and just just as a, <laughs> a caveat to all these uh, there's a lot of fucks in these song titles which i didn't kind of realize till i looked at them all on one <laughs> piece of paper and we wanted to put the parental advisory thing on the cover like as a goof because like yeah. me and elliot yeah, yeah. and aaron we're, we're all 90s kids. And yeah, it's like a mark of pride when they when they when PMRC started in with that, and that, that was like, oh, yeah. you know, it's a good record if it's got that <laughs> if it's got the sticker on it. <laughs> well, I remember two specific things: are the Adam Sandler um, "What the Hell Happened to You" thing with the goat and the car song or whatever on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy at Block or like Blockbuster Music, remember them? Uh, wouldn't let my mom buy that for me because he was like, well, it's got the parental advisory. This is good for him. And she, like, didn't buy it. I was like, that's bullshit. And there was a rap group in the 90s called the Bush Babies. And I remember they, they had an album where the parental advisory was, like, three inches by two inches big on the CD cover. It was huge. And I remember thinking in my, like, grade school mind, I was like, yo, that record must be fucked up. <laughs> Because the parental advisory was like so big, yeah. I, I now realize the size of the parental advisory does not equate the danger uh, contained <laughs> like, within. I think maybe they did that as a joke. Yeah, uh, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to even this. First of all, might be the first Bush Babies reference on Proton Conversal. I'm, I'm fairly fairly safe in saying that. But I love I love I still never heard a Bush Baby song in my life. I just distinctly remember how big that parental advisory sticker was. It was very big. They had a record. They did have a record came, that came out around when I worked at Tower Records, uh, which must have been like ninety ninety five, ninety four, ninety five, something like along those lines. Yeah, that uh, I think that timeline tracks. Because it was after I was already into the Beastie Boys, so I would sometimes look at the rap section, pretending right. I would buy anything that wasn't a Beastie Boys like tape. <laughs> uh, but you, if we just thought it would be funny to put it on the front, because it's like, you know, 90s jokes, you know, that's Elliot's yeah. stock and trade. And right. Jerry from Freight Tree was like, you know, guys, do you really want to put that on there? Because, like, some distributors might, like, not let it stream, like, yeah. if it's behind a parental advisory and shit. It turns out it just meant that on Spotify, every single song is listed as explicit, even though they aren't all ex- – they don't all have cussing on them. <laughs> right. It, it uh, has that, that E next to it that <laughs> – Yeah, which means nothing. Like, oh, are they – they're not making you enter your birthday on Spotify. So, uh, But he was like, well, you know, maybe Radio Play. And I was like, Jerry, Radio Play? We're concerned with Radio Play? <laughs> yeah, we're we going to hop in the time <laughs> machine and uh, go back to 1992 for that or <laughs> – I'm gonna I'm gonna roll those dice, Jer. <laughs> that's that's uh that's very optimistic of him to to feel well, that way. And then we went ahead and submitted the uh, the back cover to him with just like no stars, nothing, just like eh, they're all on there. Who cares? Like anybody that's buying this physical vinyl from us is not gonna have their life ruined by seeing you know the word fuck four times on the back of it. Yeah, it seems like the, the even the religious right has moved on from that. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think they even care about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, they are com- constantly getting you know calls from Jerry Falwell Jr. asking to answer for my behavior. So recent regrets is what we're up to. Recent regrets is uh, 
it is it's literally about what it sounds like like things you wish you had done in your life you know looking back on your youth and like those kind of things you wish you had done uh there's a couple of serious ones in there or there's one serious one there's one goofy one about how um i was at a liquor store in louisville before i moved here and knew the lay of the land and saw a hat that i thought from far away you know a lot of liquor stores around here i don't know if it's like that at some of the you know just kind of cheapo liquor stores up there and you get some novelty hats with some aphorisms yeah (laughs) they just say weed or something Uh, there was i saw from like afar that uh there was a hat that there was a black hat that uh i thought from afar just said shit real big on it like black hat white letters i was like that's amazing and i got closer and i realized that above the shit there was some littler smaller letters that said don't talk so it said don't talk shit and i was like that's not as good and like three or four days later i was like it's better. I should have bought that damn hat. And I had no idea where that liquor store was in the geography of Louisville because I didn't live there at the time. And this town is not laid out on anything resembling a grid. So I don't know where we were or where it was. And, it was an artisanal um, run of like five hats, I'm sure. And then uh, Yeah. And I didn't buy that. And then in that same verse, I talk about a lighter that when I was in high school, I was in the drum corps and we were on a drum corps trip to San Francisco. And we were at, like, you know, some fisherman's wharf bullshit, um, like souvenir store. And they had all these little cheap uh, fake Zippos that had, like, little plastic things on the front with, like, um, tie-dye coloring and uh, little, like, That 70s Show font sayings. You know that font I'm talking about? Like, oh, I, I font? Do, yeah, I, yeah. And they had one that was so tie-dyed, That 70s Show font, and it just said, shut up, bitch. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was the most incongruous thing I'd ever seen in my wow. life. Yeah. I'm like, this is, this is really tonally inappropriate. Like, I don't understand why it's like a hippy-dippy peace man font, but it's so aggressive and mean. And at the time, I was like, I don't smoke. Why would I buy a lighter? And that was, I think, in 1999, and I still think about it, like, every other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the one verse is just about, like, not buying that dumb thing. And then there was another – the other verse is a more personal one. And then the the chorus is all about this uh, – there's a wall on one of these main drags in Louisville here that is – um, like in one of like the they're gentrifying it neighborhoods, you know, because mm-hmm. they're trying to make yeah. this one street, uh, this one street real cool. And they give and it some made up name, and then they put it in all the mm-hmm. listings. They're like, what? Where's that? And they're like, oh, okay, yep. that's it. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> Phoenix Hill has a bad. Yeah, this other name people are afraid of, but if we call it this other dumb thing, and, it's and the if New you York tell model. anybody local, they'll be like, what is that? I don't know what that is yeah. <laughs> because it's well, something they're trying to make happen. Yeah. Well, this one ended up – they made it happen. It worked. Uh, but there's this wall that is a um, – there's a wall that is – like it's got a bunch of lines on it, and it says, before I die, dot, dot, dot. And it's like you can write something like you want to do before you die, right? Okay, and, sure. Uh, it's like a Mad Lib or something, an aspirational yeah. Mad Lib. And I drove by it with uh, – The bucket list. But there's like, yeah. But there's like 500 lines you can write on. And I drove by with my wife one day, and we were like, stop. We were like, all right, I'm going to write on this. It's going to be hilarious. And I, I did the uh, the uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David thing. It was like, before I die, and I wrote, I'm going to fuck me a fish. Uh, <laughs> from that one where the yeah. cruise ship sinks with the talk show. I, I remember. Uh, I thought yeah. it was fun. <laughs> and we were, looking at, uh, we were looking at the other ones, and uh, there was one that said, uh, before I die, I want to meet Jim Carrey. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And there was another one, like, um, a few down that was like, before I die, I want to consume human flesh. And I was like, well, that's weird. Bold. And then okay. we dro- we dro- <laughs> I wrote, I'm going to fuck me a fish, and we drove away, and we got, like, five minutes away, and I was like, oh, fuck. 
and Kelly's all concerned that like I had that something was wrong. She's like, oh, what's wrong? I was like, I should have written eat Jim Carrey. <laughs> right? Because You're gonna thematically tied it together. Yeah. Yes. Because it was like, you know, meet Jim Carrey, consume him in the flesh, eat Jim Carrey. And that was at the time my most recent regret. And so that uh, ended up being the song where there's like a little touch of uh, an actual like personal regret in there, but then also like Wish I bought that shut up bitch lighter. Wish I bought that don't talk shit hat. And I really, really wish I had written Eat Jim Carrey on that wall. There's actually a name for that where it's uh, recontextualizing existing art pieces. Uh, hmm. Not normally for something exactly along those lines, but like taking something that already was a pre existing piece and adding something to it to change the uh, the context and meaning like a good example would be like that wall street the the bull like when the they put that little girl up right oh yeah that's like a that's like a super serious you know version yeah. of that but uh the, the idea being the, the most vulgar and common example is, is uh bathroom stalls of course right Which, of oh, course, yeah, this is a, a glorified bougie version of that of, of just you know somebody writes something someone else writes something else Mixed mm-hmm. in it, yeah. so on, so on. So. But I just, I, I really, it just, it still bumps me out. You know, where you just still thinking about. It. So that song sounds more serious than it is because because of the tone of the music, sounds like right. it's a serious slow one. But it's like, hey, it's not. So okay, so the next one after that is God loves the trier. Yeah, uh, that one actually kind of is a serious one. But just about like. Um, uh, the chorus lyrics are kind of saying it all where it's, it's like what we were talking about about um, something just not being for you like uh, th- those chorus lyrics are you know no bad bands no bad songs no bad books no bad films no bad sex no bad love and uh, no bad times no new friends where it's just like no just not everything has to be for you like there there's nothing is bad it, you just don't like it, you know and and that's fine you know you try people are out there like putting their heart and soul into uh, art and just because you don't like it doesn't mean like it sucks. You know, right, so exactly. Kind of what we were talking about earlier. I was going to say, that kind of no. harkens back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, Bob Chapman in the chat box, yeah. uh, he, he actually brought up that it's a detournament. Uh, well, actually, I took German, so I don't know. It's, it's got the the accent over the E. Detournement? De detournement? I don't know. Well, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it means uh, rerouting or hijacking in French. and It's a technique... Developed in the oh, 1950s okay. by the Letterist International, later adapted by the Situationist International. There was a blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And the point of fact is yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's like that culture jamming thing where you change the meaning of something by uh, by addition or subtraction. Oh, right. So, that's cool. Right on. That's, that's, like that's, that. a, that's a Radio Note rapid response team there. <laughs> I wish I had done that, you know. <laughs> uh, so then you got the title track after mm-hmm. that. So that's extra medium on extra medium. <laughs> uh, extra medium is a term that um, I play Magic the Gathering, you know, yeah, fun card game for dorks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a term that kind of uh, evolved to mean that, like, something being medium is just it's being average or mediocre. And extra medium is just just a little bit better than that, you know. So, like, you draw your card for the turn, it'd be like, okay, it's, like, yeah, it's pretty medium, but it's like, well, if it's extra medium, it's like almost good. Um, that's another one that's kind of thematically on the line of just getting a little older and thinking about, well, <laughs> you know, because extra medium is also the size between medium and large when you're wearing T-shirts. And I think every single person listening to this can trace the point where they went from wearing a medium <laughs> to, an, to needing maybe yeah. not quite a large, but maybe a little bit of an extra medium. You oh, know? God, 
Uh, that's like every, every so t-shirt discussion I have one. with anyone, whether I'm buying there, whether yep. I'm selling them. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, really, what do you think? You know the shirt. I always have to ask, like, is that like a, is that like a regular Gildan style? Or are we looking at like some American Apparel style shit that's going to make me yeah. feel bad about myself? Am I buying a medium <laughs> or a large here? Right. You have to take the yeah. manufacturer into account. Yeah, absolutely. And I do. And I know I annoy merch people. My, look, I unroll it. Let me see that fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's another one just kind of about like page. I mean, it's 30 seconds long. Uh, and I, I wrote that while um, Dan Hankey from uh, Latest Flame Records, upon finding out I did not own a vinyl copy of Zen Arcade, bought me one for my birthday and had it sent to my house several years back. And before we had a dishwasher in our kitchen, that was one of my go-to records to put on and see if I could finish the dishes at the end of side A. Oh, like okay. by, by the end of side A. Uh, so I listened like to a side A. Like a personal like, challenge. Oh, I, oh, I got there. Uh, but I listened to that a lot and was like, man, I want to write a 30-second do has major chord punk song like this, and so I did. So the only, yeah, and anytime I see a, a an album that has like a song that also is the name of the album, I, I think about the fact that uh, there was a, well, it was, it was it's Doug Walker plays in a band called uh, Call of the Wild, and they have an album, they have an album called mm-hmm. Call of the Wild that has a song called Call of the Wild on it. So the Black Sabbath thing, yeah, yeah it's a black, yeah, Black Sabbath yeah. by Black Sabbath on Black Sabbath, <laughs> and it's yeah, it black. Uh, there's several bands that have done that, right? There have. There's not as many. There's not as many as you think, and some of them are more, are more, more fun to say than others. Like yeah. Hocus Pocus by Focus is like that's not the same thing, but it's still very fun to say. But but it rhymes real good. Yeah, it rhymes, it rhymes great. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, the extra medium on extra medium. Uh, yeah, and it's really, two it's just like criteria. Yep, just try try to do things if you if you want things to be good for you like just put some effort into it for all it is give earn oh that's the one about teaching that's the one you mentioned earlier okay right right, right. oh yeah yeah i forgot <laughs> forgot about that we talked about the one already okay uh visual pleasure we talked about that was the one yeah. that uh Lindsay from cell phones is on uh, mm-hmm. great ripper uh, practically a uh an epic by cell phone Considerations. I think it's like like two two and change, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, those cell phone songs aren't very long. Right? Uh, uh, yeah. So so and where where did that one end up landing? It was mostly kind of a uh, oh yeah yeah. Sam Schulten mentions R A M O N E S by Ramones, although that was uh, a Motorhead song they wrote about the Ramones. Uh, but yeah, right. <laughs> which I think is actually makes it better, frankly. I mean, how are you going to be like, oh, let me write yeah. this song about us? Of course, we're going to play it. <laughs> you got, you have to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that that could be a whole game as far as that goes. Uh, so, but, but yeah, visual pleasure. Uh, we, we talked about that earlier. Fatalist. Uh, Fatalist is uh, yeah, it's a girl fight song. Uh, girl fight were a, um, just a kind of like noisy. They started as a real every time I die worshiping band that kind of like finally like broke themselves down to like the core of of what they really sounded like on an EP. It was their last thing they put out. It was an e- a seven-inch EP called Real Spite. Uh, it's six songs long, and it's fucking phenomenal. It's like the best nine minutes ever. Uh, and we did, I mean, we are just like, the Wax Eater dudes have been tight bros with those guys for like eight years. We did uh, a couple of tours with them. One was three weeks long. Uh, we just love those guys. And that riff is... Um, the guys from Police Teeth there in Seattle taught us uh, the term taco riff mm-hmm. uh, many oh, yeah. years back. And I'm sure you've, have you talked about taco riffs on this show at all? Or 
It has it, it been discussed, yes. There has been discussion. Uh, we always thought that that was just a, uh, that the main riff to that song is just like a great taco riff where it's just like holding out one chord forever and then just the dun, 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 dun. Like, yeah. but I just love that riff. Yeah, yeah. And we would play it at, and for those that, that are not, because there are not a lot of new listeners to the show, it's 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 just a a showcased and almost needlessly ostentatious riff that uh, is memorable by being able to sing it aloud. Is, is yeah. that my memory of the definition? And, the, and then it comes out of nowhere too. Was what I remember James Burns always told me. It's was, unexpected. It had to catch yeah. you by surprise. It doesn't yeah. necessarily. You don't. You don't think there's any reason for it to be there, but it kind of it, it jumps out at you. And 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 ideally, it should be one that yeah, you could you could do the Beavis and Butthead thing, you can sing it out and people know what it yeah. is you're talking about. Like, oh, yeah, that part. And they graciously bestowed Taco Riff status on a song of ours from Sleeper, which I remember feeling uh, you know, very proud of. And we learned, to, well, we would always play that stupid riff just like in practice. Uh, you know, it's like a warm-up thing. It's an easy, you know, fun thing to play. And, you know, I watched them play it a hundred times when we would go on tour with them. So it's like, you know, we knew how to play it and I think we were playing a show that a couple of the girl fight guys were going to be at, like maybe one of the PRS in Louisville or something. And um, we played it uh, like because they were there. Uh, and then it was like, you know, we're in the studio. We ended up just recording it just because it's, you know, a minute and a half long and it's easy and fun. And we asked the, the guys if we we're like, you know, honestly, we could use one more on this 11th song. Record. Can we just put this on? Cause it ends on the same chord that doubt begins on. Oh, and so it was like, hey, yeah, 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 we, yeah. we could just down. Go one right uh, in the other, yeah. Yep. And so uh, we asked if we could use it, and they were like, we do not give a shit. And so we did. And Dave, all of our art uh, for the last, basically like since uh, Baltimore came out and uh, has been done by uh, Dave Watt, the singer for Girl Fight out of Pittsburgh. He does all of our visual art, like our t-shirts, our stickers, our album stuff, like he's done, outside of like taking pictures of us, he's done all of our visual art stuff for the last like six years. And so, you know, we've got connections with the dudes and we asked if we could use it and they said yes. So we threw it on there. And there you go. So that then that brings mm-hmm. us to the last song, which I think we, we did talk, we talked about that somewhat briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Doubt. Yeah, so that is the one with, that with I, all the parentheses. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> well, you know, that was a very clear reference. I, uh, the the way I structured that song title. Yep, yep, yep. That is the old, the fly on the wall trick. Uh, yeah, that one I I wrote that one as a uh, with the intention of proposing live at the end of it the first time we played it live. So which we did, and now we still play it all the time, but. Did we? So, yep, that I, one is, I, I don't. Th- I don't think we actually talked about the first song. Did we? I, I think we. we I don't believe so. Into no, it. No, uh, skipped. We get it. <laughs> Which to, to me, that that always is like the. Uh, it used to be like, oh yeah, we get it, we get it. You vape, like it was something you know, along those <laughs> lines. I don't know if that's a corollary with with the song, but I, I was pleased to see it nonetheless because. For me, that's very indicative of a certain time and, 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 and a certain shtick, which is the fake impatience towards something that maybe doesn't necessitate impatience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's sort of that and also the uh, – there was it was meant to be a layered joke about people also saying that they get it as in they, uh, they have sex frequently like or that person can get it. Mm, sure. That was part of the joke too. Yeah. But the actual lyric on it is you're offended, we get it, uh, and we're all assholes. It's just about us. The public 
perception, not so much of Aaron Elliott, but me, of people thinking I'm just a big jerk because I can be kind of a aloof loudmouth sometimes. I'm sure you have no idea um, what I'm talking about or what that's like. No idea. But, None. Uh, you know, it's just <laughs> I've, bat I've battled that uh, perception for a long time, and that's just kind of what that one is about is about people just deciding this guy sucks. Uh, and it's like, but you don't, you've had no conversations with me. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you know that? Yeah. So it's some just really, really arbitrary criteria that may or may not match reality that, uh, fits uh, yeah. a presupposed and uh, pre-existing frame in some cases. Mm -hmm. That is correct. So yeah, that one's just about, you know, uh, people thinking you're a jerk. So deciding <laughs> if that's what you think, if I've already done the time, I shall now do the crime. Sir. <laughs> So that's extra medium. Uh, if, yep. and then if folks want to get it, uh, they should go to the Bandcamp. They should go to the label site. What's uh, is it? Uh, the you can go to either if you go to waxeater.bandcamp.com or go to uh, Freytree. Uh, I can't remember if it's Freytree Records or just Freytree.bandcamp. But I um, had this up before we. It links. Um, they both link. When you buy it on Bandcamp, you're. You buy it straight from Freytree, even through our bank. So all the digital orders go through them. Gotcha. So it's easy enough to just go on waxy.bandcamp.com or freytreerecords.com. Right, and, and, it, and it is uh, freytreerecords.com as a, a site, which is, makes sense. Yep. And, and, and yep. I think that was the first thing that I would think of, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I just couldn't remember if their band camp said just Freytree or Freytree Records. Yeah. Use the yeah. So that is what. Yeah. So so, uh, your 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 quarantine style, like everyone else that is making music and, and doing everything that is uh, creative. What are you What are you doing to stay sane? Well, uh, I have been working from home for the last six weeks. Um, they're doing like digital education, like you know, learn from home, distance learning stuff, which is rough because you know the kids are pretty unengaged in it we have struggled some kids don't have access to the technology and things so that's been kind of uh crappy but been doing that um i've been you know reading been playing i've been listening to like just all music all day which is not normally what i do because you know oftentimes i'm at work i get yeah, to yeah. be listening to music so um gotta listen to these I, kids rattle on <laughs> yeah well you know and my wife's been working from home this whole time too so rather than like blast you know loud stuff i just kind of put my headphones in and i'll listen to podcasts in the morning and then like music all afternoon uh you know doing doing my school duties and doing i've been working on some new parts for songs that i've been making like i set up my amp in my garage and go out there and made a couple of like video demos to send to aaron and elliot to you know start working on some new stuff like i said we have like we have two that are done we have two that are almost done and then we have two that are in like that are rips that need to be expounded upon so we're trying to not take six years this time um, <laughs> our, our goal is to like is to finish like six songs and then maybe do like two splits like give a song out to a split with a couple of bands and then do maybe like a like a four song ep just to like have some stuff come out over the next 18 months rather than like Here's a record. We'll see your ass in 2029. Yeah, uh, it, it does kind of seem like that the model now is is be just making things and putting them out always, and that seems to be like what people yeah. are into. Kind of wish that was the case when I was putting out singles every month, but you know, whatever. 
right? Uh, <laughs> and it's like, we don't really have the means to do that. Like, we have to collect enough stuff to go into the studio once for like 48 hours and, and sure. get it all yeah, yeah. at least recorded and mastered, and then we can start ditching it out to people. Um, but we're definitely going to have new music released much sooner on a much sooner timetable. And plus, like, everything has started to stabilize for us, like, outside of the, you know, the entire world falling apart. But, like, you know, <laughs> the complete and, instability and, of almost everything. Yes. It's <laughs> our personal lives have, yeah. our personal lives have stabilized. So, you know, Elliot's kid is in like second grade now, and, uh, you know, Aaron's daughter's two. And so, like, uh, we, we're getting to the point where it's like we have a little more freedom to be playing more and playing out a bit more. So it's like we can, you know, leave town. We, we finally got to the point. We haven't played a show outside of Louisville since. I want to say December 2016 was the last one we played outside of Jefferson County, Kentucky. Uh, so we were all stoked to like go play some goddamn shows somewhere else. And you know that that having to get canceled was a big drag. And uh, but yeah, I've been reading. I have a Nintendo Switch. I've been playing a lot of, or at least I was until I bought Animal Crossing for Kelly, and now I haven't seen the thing. And uh, <laughs> now it's gone. Forget it. Forget yeah, <laughs> and like everyone else on the planet, man, I'm watching a fucking a bunch of TV and movies and stuff. But uh, I don't really mind that that much. Like I was kind of joking this week on the internet that uh, my wife is going on Thursday. She's her sister and her family are moving to Seattle, and uh, they she is going to drive with her out there, and so she's going to be gone for like five days. That's and I'm like, great. wait a minute. Uh, and I've I've been keeping it together mostly because I do have someone in the house to talk to to like you know have human interaction with, and she's going to be gone for five days. She's going to come back, and I'm just going to be fucking feral. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just going to so, be just loose. The dogs are going to be wearing little hats and shit. You know? It's going to be sweet. She's going to come home to a weird scene. We formed a comedy oh. troupe. It's improv, <laughs> and it's terrible, <laughs> like most improv. Yeah, well, I think so that's implied. It doesn't need to be announced, but yeah. <laughs> she's just going to be like, she's going to be texting me from across the country looking at our bank account. Like, did you go to the liquor store again today? I'm like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't yeah. have what I wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. No, they did. I just drank it. Not anymore. They, had, they didn't have enough of what I wanted. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, yeah so that's, that's, that's an entirely separate problem. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, you know, as, as much of a social butterfly as I can be, I'm also, like, wildly content to just sit around the house like I haven't been feeling like, like I'm going nuts or anything. I know I'm in a kind of privileged position there, but uh, you know we walk the dogs around the block too, and and it's been actually kind of cute. Like our neighborhood has a lot of, a lot of families like ours that are like, middle or early 30s, and there are, I think in our small neighborhood something like 40,000 dogs, and so everyone is just sitting on their porch all day every day, walking their dogs around the block. So. We've been seeing more people, honestly, than than yeah, we normally do in our neighborhood because they're, like, normal routine, they're out. Yeah. yeah. So, keeping it together, we're buying a lot of weird shit on the internet. Just like, <laughs> like you know what? Fuck it. Who cares? I bought I bought a bunch of hats. You know, we both bought um, short sleeves, dickies, coverall jumpsuits. Just like, yeah, let's walk around the house. You know, Steve Albini style in a jumpsuit. Yeah. And not have to worry about dressing ourselves. Uh, and just go. be like, hey, let's just wear this stupid thing. Finally. Yeah, they're slim. That's a solution for a problem we didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, just giving ourselves bad haircuts and letting Kelly practice her um, nail dip kit stuff on me so they look hers look better when she tries to do her own. Yeah. 
This is weirdo shit. The things you can get up to when uh, you don't have to worry about down, worry as much about being out in the world. Okay, anybody actually seeing me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So last thing, Rob. Uh, yeah. It's the can question. Why do you do what you do? Which thing that I do? You can interpret that All question however you like. It's it's meant it's meant in the spirit of creativity, but you can. Well, I'll tell you why I teach, since that's a thing that now sure. I bet a bunch of parents are like, man, I really value my kids' teachers more. Uh, is that because... <laughs> they know it's, it's not like virtual babysitting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It sucks, isn't it? Oh, yeah, did you not know you hated your kids? Yeah, well, I've been trying to tell you they suck. Uh, now, I it's I think it's important, and I'm not really going to get into, like, it's boring why I do it. It's like, I'm not... I'm not built for an office, and it's a performative job that suits me, and uh, I think I do good things for the kids. I'm not like one of those, you know, maternal, paternal style uh, teachers. It's like, oh, they're my they're my kids, and I love them. It's like I don't, uh, and I'm honest with them. Where it's like, I do not love you. I respect you, and I want the best for you, but like, you are not my actual family. I just, <laughs> I feel a strong, you know. I, I think it's. I think it's important work that's way more satisfying to me than, like, punching a clock somewhere else. So uh, I just, you know, shout out to anybody that is either, A, struggling with their kids at home, or, B, uh, a teacher struggling with figuring out how to deal with other people's kids at home. Um, music stuff, I don't know. It's just I, I, performing is really fun. It's my favorite part of the whole thing, which is why this sucks, is that we can't do the part of it that I like doing the best. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hate recording more than anything. It's my least favorite part about being in a band. Like, I would rather field booking emails all day than have to enter a studio. It's just, I don't, I get the yips and it sucks and it never sounds exactly like I thought it was going to, you know, just, I, I hate that part of it, but I love just getting up there with my dudes and, you know, just kind of letting off some steam and joking around with people in the crowd, whether it's, you know, 400 people or five and, you know, just having fun with it. It's just fun, fun to get up there and perform. Well, right so on, that's why I do. Thanks, thanks, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and it's, uh, it's been great having you. I'm glad uh, there's new Wax Eater stuff to listen to. I'm glad you got it out before <laughs> all this happened. I can't wait to hear yeah. you play some of these tunes someday, eventually. Yep, uh, it'll, I mean, it's got to stop sometime, right? <laughs> right? One, one would imagine. You, you, you look in the news sometimes, and you got to wonder, but uh, one would imagine, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I can't bring it, it in me to be like, yeah, these people are like, it won't be till fall 2021. It's like, I I can't bring myself to believe that, but I also want to strangle every dipshit in a Ford F-150 driving around with, like, their top down, their Confederate flag hanging off the back with no mask on. Like, yeah, that's a good quote. Cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's almost like not to sound cool or, or terrible, but it's almost like you want to hope for natural selection with some of these people. But They're not the ones dying. It's like, not oh, going to be the nurse, ones to die. Exactly. Nurse who was trying her best or, like, 18-year-old with asthma. It's like, ugh. Or like grandma that tried to stay inside. It's yeah, never tried to do anything right. And, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so you got that's like that drunk armor. You know how drunk say, people never get hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the luck but, of the fool, as they say, right? Yeah. So, uh, Rob, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's been great having you. Uh, thanks for having me, Connor. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Take it easy. Ah, there he goes, Rob Montage. Let's hear a wax eater tune off of Extra Medium. This is the aforementioned We Aren't 138.
Aren't 138 Wax Eater. That is off of the record Extra Medium. You can get that at uh, Patri. Patri Records uh, or the Wax Eater Bandcamp. <clears throat> Either does work. Rob's all over the internet on the normal things that you would think that people would be on, as is the band Wax Eater. That's been another episode, stay-at-home edition of Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This show airs on Radio Nope, radionope.com. Say yes to Nope. Live listeners, stay tuned for The Operative, where Nick Cave is discussed with me. So that's not a conflict of interest or anything. Good episode, though. Double upset. Archives for this show are RadioNeutron.com. Always free. No ads. No sponsors. No kidding. Patreon.com slash Reversal to get the episodes sooner. $1 a month will get you there. Within the sound of my voice. Thanks to everybody sharing the episodes around, letting people know it's a thing worth listening to. It's always appreciated. The growth has been incredible of late, and uh, thanks. I'm glad everyone's getting some data, including me. Tony Visconti. It's coming up next on Thursday. David Bowie's producer. So, yeah, stay tuned. And stay safe out there. And take it easy. to my top 10.
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. Can you hear me? 